Hey everyone and welcome to the fourth episode of the Convergence podcast. I'm your host Siddhartha Valluri and in this episode I spoke with architect and designer Kayur Mistri who is the founder of Studio Sympathia, a speculative architecture studio working at the intersection of architecture, fiction and technology. And in this episode we spoke about his experiences working in studios in New York, Mumbai and Germany as well as his experience working with the world renowned architect Mark Foster Gage. the speculative nature of design and his exploration of form morphologies inside zbrush this was a really fun episode and hope you all enjoy it i think the first thing that really attracted me towards your work was that tagline that you had put up on instagram or your website mm. maybe which said architecture fiction and technology and yep those three words are something that resonate with me very very deeply because i love architectural design technology and mm. fiction so i i was really <laughs> it's like a perfect blend of things that you had put out there and your work really yeah. resonated with that so maybe you can elaborate on that a bit more like how did you come to that point so um so sympathia um first of all i'll talk about how do i come to know about sympathia um i was reading this book by ryan holiday called uh, ego is the enemy where uh, he was talking about this idea of sympathia that it's about uh, it's the connectedness that you feel with the cosmos and uh, that uh, you are just an infinitesimal point in this universe like for example um um the if you look at the overall lifespan of the universe so which is about 13.8 billion years and the lifespan that humans have lived is about 4.5 million years so that's about 0.032% so that's how small we are and uh, i think uh, even if you look at our body the parts of our body they were formed uh, they they are the atoms were formed about billion years ago like even if you look at uh, gold the atom of gold was uh, formed uh, in a supernova about 13.8 billion years ago billions of uh, light years away so it's about this feeling that you are connected to a larger uh, organism called the universe like you are just a tiny part of the universe so what i'm trying to do with my work uh, is that trying to uh, address this uh, notion of how we are connected to this universe and uh, what you can uh, do as an individual so yeah and that's where i find that uh, the kind of realities for example uh if you imagine a two dimensional being uh inhabiting a two dimensional space that being will not be able to grasp the realities of a three dimensional space because it is limited by um it's beyond its the, own the perception. it's beyond the perception of that being yeah and uh i think it's same with 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 us that if there is a fourth dimension then even we are limited by our own uh, perspective of three dimension we cannot grasp this higher reality 
so which may be which which may exist or may not exist so it's this idea of and what we can do is we, we can only speculate on the fourth dimension so i think it's this idea of speculating on the realities that might exist in the universe which quite fascinates me and that is what i try to do in my work that i'm trying to speculate what if something like this exists in the universe and some of the work that i and these objects maybe like these objects or these images these environments maybe we don't know yet because there are certain parts of a universe even we don't know we don't know why what is the purpose of this universe like why why does it exist like we might have a scientific explanation that this thing happened and because of this thing happened and then but like why do why does this what is the purpose of it why do we exist why does this universe exist we don't know so that is what i'm just trying to uh, do in my work is trying to speculate uh, trying to create these objects which at the moment we don't know the, their existence like why does why do we have this particular object inside this it might be existing in somewhere in this universe or maybe not so that's why i find that uh, the fiction comes into play when you talk yeah. about these dimensions are you not considering time as the fourth dimension as well or are you trying to imagine your work only in the three physical dimensions and then explore what that fourth dimension could be without considering time uh at the moment i've not explored it uh at the moment i've not explored right now i'm very much focused uh, at exploring these three dimension three dimensional works and three dimensional objects yeah mm-hmm. it's interesting i mean you brought up the whole topic of cosmology and cosmos mm. itself do you believe mm. in some sort of a universal consciousness where just i mean mm. just by the given fact that every particle that we see around us could have been in any mm. x location yeah. in the universe yeah, yeah, so yeah. do you believe that yeah. universal energy uh so like when you talk about uh, every particle i i feel um, so when you uh, think about this condition of um, humans uh, enhancing themselves with the uh, like with technology i think it's totally appropriate because like the kind the way our atoms the way we were formed i think it was just a matter of chance mm-hmm. and there is no uh, ethics in the way we uh, how we are organized as atoms so it's totally okay to reorganize them and uh, to change and adapt them and uh, no but i'm i'm terms, asking at a even larger scope larger. at a universal level like do you believe that these designs are some sort mm. of a like a grand design so to speak as mm. stephen hawking had said in his book like do you believe in that kind of a universal consciousness that promotes these designs in a certain harmony or is that also a complete chance based thing like you mentioned for human creation or for mm. life itself mm. Mm. well uh, i think like as a larger uh, consciousness it might be possible that it is uh, it it exists and uh, in terms of my work at the moment i see them as 
independent uh, pieces of uh, independent pieces rather than a larger uh, organism mm-hmm. yeah i i was going through some of your work where you talk about this speculative nature of work and a reality based nature of work mm-hmm. where you're maybe building out an actual project with a studio but this mm-hmm. speculative nature always seems to have a certain flow to it is that mm-hmm. derived from some ideas that you have inherently or is that the software generating those kind of forms through your lens um yeah i think it's the second one it is uh actually rather than a second one i think it's a mixture of both of them where at some point i am letting the software do its magic and at some point i'm also controlling based on my intuition mm-hmm. yep so interesting i think we already went into such a metaphysical realm <laughs> i want to pull back a couple of steps and talk about how you actually got to this point we'll definitely come back to this topic because there's something that yeah, i yeah. find very fascinating but i want to know like what your origin was how did you get into architecture why architecture to begin with um so um so i was born and brought up in mumbai and uh, my grandfather had a wood workshop and uh, he specialized in intricate carving so i think i believe i inherited an interest in drawing from him and uh, my dad had uh, my dad is an interior designer so he used to take me to construction sites and uh, we used to make physical models together oh. so i think it was this uh, interest fascination with drawing and physical like physical models as in we used to uh, not architectural models or interior design models but we used to make models of say one is to one scale of our television for our school annual day something like that okay. and or a truck or something but i think it was this fascination with 3d model uh, that really um, made me choose architecture and um, so i did my bachelor's from mumbai uh, hira college of architecture and i think after uh, joining architecture uh, i realized that architecture is not just a service profession like it's not just something that you um, you just building for things as a, like you're providing services i think architecture has more to do with the idea of a building rather than the building itself like construction managers construction field takes care of the building aspect whereas architecture is more a theoretical endeavor and um, yeah uh, so after my bachelor studies uh, i got an opportunity to work with uh, architect sain kapadia i don't know whether you know him or not i'm not sure so i'm familiar with his work yeah um, so right now he, uh, his office is shut and when i was working with him he was about uh, 70 years old i Ooh, think okay. 72 or 75 years but i think he was only one, uh, he was one of very few people in mumbai uh, who talked about design and architecture in theoretical sense rather than like rather than just finishing projects mm-hmm. uh, he would talk about how to make a space and how do you enhance the design and like the design process that you go into in developing the design so so it was quite fascinating for me so right from an and, early age you had that mentality and mindset to think about the theory of design as well as the practical yeah, side of it i design. think 
yeah yeah i think that uh, came into me through uh, ayn rand's book uh, fountainhead and how it so i never read like i there was a, a few years back i tried to read the book i, I couldn't finish it but i uh, during my bachelor studies uh, i saw the movie fountainhead okay uh, and i was super influenced by howard rock and uh, like although so where i was very much influenced by modernism during that time during my bachelor studies but i liked uh, that he talked about architecture and the uh, what do you say that the building it uh, the building has its own character and that the building has its own life so when when i look at uh, my bachelor studies time um, the the architecture that i saw or the people that i saw even in my school like the tutors that i saw i think the uh, the concept of architecture was more diluted in like it was more about just making buildings uh, like the ideas that i heard in school uh, it was just more about making buildings finishing your projects and less about architecture as theor- theoretical idea so and, i was quite influenced by and do you mind me asking how many years back was this like when did you study so i graduated in 2012 uh, okay with my bachelor studies Okay so you started in 20 2007 then Yeah okay 2007 And yeah. so apart from the tutors did the fellow classmates at least have that spark in terms of thinking about the theory of design and being in that speculative realm as well especially being students you have the freedom and liberty to think along those lines because you're not constrained by any yeah. sort of project right Yeah 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 there there were uh, many Uh, seniors uh, colleagues who were interested in architecture uh, like one of my senior who studied at stadel school architecture class um, he went to study there first and i used to see his work and i, I think that really made me uh, decide to go to uh, stadel school and um, then there were also a couple of other um, seniors who were very much interested in this uh, idea of biomimicry and like how do you uh, like something um, this idea that architecture is something more than just building so there were people who i used to talk to regularly and then we used to do the uh, nasa competitions which mm-hmm. was also very much uh, engaging in terms of uh, engaging design ideas so you used to if you are doing a competition you used to have like call seniors and get their reviews on so yeah it was definitely there uh, but i think this notion of fiction and uh, speculative design um, i learned a, a lot of it uh, uh, at stelosul architecture class and um, i think during, when i was working with sen kapadia i wanted to learn more uh, at that time i was very much influenced by modernism and uh, the aesthetics of clean forms and everything so i wanted to know more like what i i did not know about parametric architecture and uh, so i wanted to know what these things are what um like how do you go about designing it and why do you design such weird shapes so yeah i think that was the reason why i went to start uh, study at stale schuler and this is in germany and, correct uh, 
Yes. Okay. Yes. And how in long Germany. were you there for? I was there in my studies was for two years, and uh, then I was working in Germany for two years. Okay, yeah. that's nice. I think that experience of studying in different locations itself changes the way you approach design by itself because you're suddenly being exposed to a whole new set of perceptions and paradigms the way people yeah think about their design over there and the moment you reach a higher quality of institute where people are more yeah. open to ideas and the ways to approach ideas that definitely opens yeah. your mind quite a bit more right yeah definitely and i think when i was trying to go uh, i was thinking of studying uh, masters there were very i couldn't see any other institute in india or other any organization in india who were who was offering i would say advanced architecture design or for example i knew about sept but i feel even at sept there is a very less focus on digital architecture so, so i could not see any course in india that would, that was about digital architecture so why do you yeah. think that's the case like i know so many people who have studied in sciarc or aa iac and different places and they've come back to india they're running their own practices or working in studios right like morphogenesis or something like that but why do you think that kind of architecture is not taught in institutes um that kind of architecture right now is mm, i think um, because there is like if, for example uh, this kind of architecture has a very less um, demand in term in the practice mm -hmm. uh, especially in mumbai or like it, it does not solve for example what i'm trying to do is i'm not solving any problems as such right. so, it's more so, of a creative journey that's going on yeah <laughs> so that's why i feel uh, any courses that would solve for example uh, any courses of parametric design would help solve problems of uh, pollution problems of uh, sustainability we might be able to see more courses on those lines but less of artistic uh, approaches courses yeah hmm. i think um, abroad there is a lot of scope uh, and also a lot of um, higher institutional support to pursue artistic uh, endeavors okay yeah. so you think the market demand currently limits or direct students in a certain path to be able to fulfill what yeah. the current market situation requires yeah yeah i i think so and um i think because i went uh, to germany to study i could uh, see that this kind of architecture uh, exists this kind of uh, approaches to design exists and that i could do for like i would never ever have heard about zbrush if i hadn't gone there maybe i would have heard about it but like just the kind of environment which i was in at that time and the kind of discussions we would have around design not just zbrush but yeah that would the exposure i wouldn't have got 
Mm-hmm. I was actually quite impressed looking at the work that you've done with ZBrush because uh, specifically in the entertainment industry, that's more used for organic modeling for characters or even hard surface. Mm-hmm. But then the kind of forms that you were generating in ZBrush looked like something that people would generally be doing in Grasshopper, but you were somehow getting that kind of result in an organic manner within ZBrush itself. So how did you develop that technique, yeah. so to speak? Um, I think it's just exploring uh, the software. And just, I've been doing that since regular... Um, like there was a one one and a half year gap in between where I didn't use ZBrush so much, but I have been exploring different softwares as well, like ZBrush or uh, Maya and uh, Grasshopper a little bit as well. So I think it just sometimes also cross pollination between different softwares that helps you achieve that uh, kind of results. Okay. Do you want to elaborate yeah. a bit more about what all softwares that you use in your regular pipeline for these artistic side of explorations rather mm-hmm. than the um, built work, so to speak? Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, uh, I am only focusing uh, a lot on ZBrush. Mm-hmm. Like at the moment, I think uh, since sometime since this year, I would say um, I've started working only with ZBrush where I'm starting with zbrush and making models only in zbrush but before that i've explored like different uh, softwares like making something in rhino grasshopper and then mixing it with zbrush or uh, also making something in maya and then sometimes i also switch back back and forth between zbrush and maya but uh, yeah primarily zbrush and um, i've also used uh, mandelbulb I've mm-hmm. not uh, published anything uh, using Mandelbulb, but uh, yeah, I, I try to bring meshes from Mandelbulb and uh, mix it with ZBrush. So yeah. That's the software that generates those infinite tessellation kind of yeah. models, right? I find those so yeah, fascinating yeah, yeah, yeah. because it directly mimics the nature of reality or nature of design itself, like the way yeah. those infinite yeah. patterns happen. So how how inspired do you get by natural design itself apart from other people's work mm. natural design as in you mean nature or yeah maybe like uh, patterns on a rock or leaf or even at a cosmic level that we were talking about earlier yeah um like i do i think uh, at the moment uh, very much uh, focusing so much on uh, developing this craft uh, uh, based on intuitive intuition okay. so uh, I don't look at so I know a lot of uh, ZBrush artists so I, I I do refer to a lot of uh, ZBrush character artists work and uh, even concept art and uh, I know a lot of con- uh, character artists what they do is they try to um, emulate certain patterns that they see uh, in nature and then reflect back back uh, in their work i think uh, there is not a direct uh, correlation or referencing that i do with nature but maybe subconsciously definitely it is there hmm. and i think it is like um, also 
me trying to also uh, figure out what is the the design process that um, uh, yeah it's just the design process that i'm still figuring out but uh, yeah I, I would say it's more intuition based right now so <laughs> that's cool so it's like um as you keep understanding the software more as you deconstruct the software more yeah you are able to harness the power of the software and then yeah translate whatever you have in your mind yeah so i was really curious about when you're starting these speculative design projects do you already have some forms in mind or is it more like you're just handling clay and forms appear as you move yeah i think it's around. more handling um for example uh, with the tower in new york i had something in mind uh, in terms of biological morphologies that these uh, shapes look like biological uh, shapes and i had something in mind that it's a tower and there is something happening below it which is sort of uh, forming up the base of it and the middle portion of it and uh, in many a cases uh, i'm just uh, starting out with random just starting out with the clay and uh, developing the design back and forth so when at times i'm making something in one model and uh, like i will just improvise on it if i don't like it i'll just uh, delete it mm -hmm. and many a times mix match multiple models together and um, also sometimes it happens to me that like some of the models that i had made when i was making it i didn't like it and i just uh, forget forgot about it and after some time when i'm looking at it i feel like hmm this is quite nice i can really like make something out of it so yeah it's this many a times going back and forth between and i think it's it's nice uh when we are in this digital space because mm -hmm. there's no uh the project never finishes like you have a model that you are using for one particular design maybe you scale it 10 times you have a different space you have a different uh, object or environment you scale like mix it with a different object you have something else so it's very creative in that way yeah that's yeah. a very interesting point that you touched upon it's almost like you treat your work as one huge project and every piece yeah. is like a small part of it and things can be moved from one place to the other yeah that that new york tower so, that you had done i found it really interesting not only because of the form but it almost had a story element to it where that form was kind of taking over the buildings that were existing so it had a narrative within the artwork which yeah which i felt was something different compared to the typical voronoi pattern parametric stuff that you see online you know yeah i so i would say that i missed uh, that phase of parametric design so when i was uh, in my bachelor's uh, there was a workshop uh, organized in my school on parametric design i i missed that workshop i couldn't attend it mm -hmm. and at some point i really regretted it because um, i wish i had learned it at that time i would have been so pro at grasshopper but now i now that i think about it i'm glad that i missed that phase of parametric design um, because i think the kind of work that you produce uh, 
like I really don't um, I don't familiar myself with the process of uh, designing the system first and uh, what you see at the end is the end result like I many a times I feel that the end result is very monotonous like even though you have the variations even though you have differentiation and everything but still the product is quite monotonous i think it's so one I, of those cases where that technique has been replicated so many times that parametric <laughs> yeah. has become synonymous with that kind of particular pattern but parametric could be any style actually it's just a philosophy yeah, yeah, of working yeah. yeah so even like uh, sometimes i even if you are making a staircase so when i was learning grasshop i would uh, i had made a script for a staircase and i would i was just so happy that it's like a parametric staircase <laughs> even though it is just a regular staircase right right so but yeah i mean of course so, those early explore, explorations as a student are quite important as well yeah i was saying that those early explorations as a student are important because you are not constrained by any yeah. kind of project so you are able to generate and keep generating more and more ideas and then over time you start refining them and start finding your aesthetic and voice yeah so i was uh, uh watching one interview by woody allen mm-hmm. and uh, he talks about this idea of uh, developing your craft so he says like it's it's good that you have so many ideas about movies and uh, that you have script and everything but it's also important to develop your craft of making movies so it's about like having ideas is good but also i think a lot of my work what i'm trying to do is develop that craft of making images making environments so that is what a lot of my time goes in in just developing the craft i think that's quite an important part because a lot of times if you're trying to create something at a larger scale or a much more much more mm. monumental project sometimes without mm. knowing those techniques or having a good understanding of that craft you may not be able to execute that project at all yeah 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 uh, so this was like one of the key idea which was talked about at stadel schuler that um, many a times you when you start with an idea first like this was just like many a times you see this thing in architecture field that you have a concept in your mind and that you are trying to make something that resembles your concept or that tries to prove your concept i think uh, like that is a very flawed idea in that like you are uh, just thinking theoretically that okay this is something i want to achieve you are not sure whether you will be able to achieve or not so it's about like going uh, the other way around where you are like making things first so that way you are also producing work you are taking action mm-hmm. and then like theorizing your work what it what it is about and like what it is what it represents the what kind of effects it it generates and i guess only once it's actually manifested can you effectively critique yeah. it and figure out whether you were on the right path or whether there is something that needs to be changed in the next yeah. iteration yeah yeah so i wanted to come back to the original topic that we had started with when you were mentioning about studio sympathia is is that just like yeah. a 
side project or is that the main firm that you work at that you've created itself so right now i'm working as a senior architect in mumbai at practice design and uh, uh, i'm running studio sympathia alongside uh, during my after office hours or, and during weekends okay but i do plan to but i do plan to uh, take it forward uh, as a full time uh, work and i think it will take some more time i feel but uh, it is uh, in my pipe, pipeline too yeah nice i would love to see a firm in india which has that kind of a ethos you know architecture fiction yeah. and technology yeah i mean i mean i'm trying to figure out uh, trying to figure out the direction uh, where it would go i find great uh, inspiration like so i am very much interested in exploring uh, digital environments digital spaces and uh, anything that has to do with computer graphics or uh, computers in general i'm very much um, uh, ill experience in terms of physical technicalities of building construction even though i i uh, still do it uh, even though that is my profession but i find myself quite weak at that mm-hmm. uh, that's not my strength so i would be very happy to work on something uh, on the digital environments and execute something so yeah i'm trying to still figure out the direction that's interesting um yeah. some of the works that you had put up on instagram and lit in keyshot i believe they had hmm. an almost sculptural kind of look to it which were you know positioned or placed in a museum do you think using 3d printing you could create a series of i mean do you imagine something like that in the future where to get that experience of creating something physically like we were mentioning just now mm. you start with something like that first and then translate that mm. into built form eventually mm. maybe maybe definitely um, but i would say that is not uh, part of that's not the trajectory that i'm trying to go get into okay i think i'm trying to get into more of uh, vr and ar uh environments where so i have explored uh, during my master studies uh, uh, i have explored augmented reality environment where i've made a video about how uh ar environments um, if you have for example an augmented reality lenses then basically you can recreate uh, your cities or fill your cities with completely for example you can have say a cctv uh, tower by rem kulhas stand in frankfurt mm-hmm. or you can have a kasada musika tower or say walt disney concert stand in front of your house so like you can create so that is where i'm very much interested in creating these uh, digital environments because i find like there is a lot of creativity in that there is a lot of scope in that so i would love to explore those kinds of environments and those kinds of uh, experiences rather than trying because i i do find physical reality a lot of limiting <laughs> oh, okay okay so you want that freedom of almost like the ready player one kind of oss where yeah you have yeah, that freedom yeah. to create <laughs> yeah 
that's awesome that would be that would be my dream like <laughs> that's awesome yeah that sounds really fascinating so i also wanted to talk about your experience working with mark foster gage architects i think mm. i don't know much about the work that they have done the only thing that i knew mm. was the art deco gothic skyscraper proposal that was presented uh-huh, uh-huh. and that's how i came to uh-huh. know about their studio and then i realized that you had worked with them as well so maybe you could share some of your experiences over there so um at the end of 2018 um i was trying when i was working in a german firm i was trying to uh, also apply at different places and trying to change my job so i had applied uh, at mark's office and uh, at that time they were working on a desert resort in saudi arabia it was uh, an invited competition mm-hmm. um, so there were like about five architects selected out of 80 architects all around the world and mark was one of them so yeah um, so during december 2018 i got an email from him that uh, like he wants me to join the office but uh, he wants me to start right away and uh, the us visa took about 3 months so i was working in frankfurt for uh, about 3 months uh, on like half after my office hours i was working in my german office after that i would work till 2 am uh, for mark oh, <laughs> so wow. so that was like 3 months i was working with him and uh, then from march to june i went to new york and i worked there and uh, like it was just amazing to work there like it was one of uh, the best experiences i've had because um, like the kind the way the overall design was uh, approached like how we developed the design i love the design process where the focus was so much on creating um design um i would say just using 3d modeling as the main uh, medium and then render them at a specific angle so every dings and say if we were six of us we would render uh say if we are designing a restaurant area within uh, the desert resort we, all of us would have our own designs and we would render at uh, at a particular angle and the next day we uh, we would all review the work and we would all see everyone's designs from the same angle and it was kind of it was really nice to uh, see that the focus was on producing renderings okay. seeing uh seeing the work as real renderings like visualization was like day to day thing so and then based on that we would select any one which was good which was not good and go about designing the whole campus so it was really nice to work uh, like have that kind of a design process and develop the design based on it So that sounds was, like a very was really nice. Yeah, it sounds like a really interesting process. It almost feels like you're in a movie set and you're designing to particular frames and your director has established certain angles that the camera needs to focus on. Yeah. And then you guys are fleshing out yeah. the designs from that area. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, I have not at least in the only architecture firm that I worked in India while I was interning. 
that was definitely not yeah. the process <laughs> so how different yeah. a change in mindset was it to adapt to a completely different way of working um, i think uh, for me not much of a contrast because i had already uh, done my master's studies so i was already so much involved in this process of 3d modeling and i was already doing that so for me it was not so much contrast um for me the contrast happened when i started studying at stadel schuler mm-hmm. because um like i told you that i had already had already started learning 3ds max before my uh, architecture studies and uh, during my architecture studies i was like a really a pro at 3ds max i would be known for making amazing renderings but i think something happened when i was in my fourth year where i switched from 3ds max to sketchup somehow i found it very uh, interesting because one of my senior had made a model in sketchup and mm-hmm. took out um, plans and sections from sketchup just like a revit okay. and i found it very interesting so for the next 4 years i would use sketchup and i almost lost uh, uh, what i had known of 3ds max but when i uh, went to stadel schuler i learned that these softwares really matter and so that when the that's when the contrast happened i was like oh i wish i had used 3ds max i wish i had learned more software mm-hmm. i wish i hadn't gotten hadn't worked with sketchup so yeah i think um, when i was working at mark uh, it really uh, came easy for me to work with 3d models and what i really also loved about working there is um, this uh, process of making matte paintings okay and uh, yeah so I, i i used to make matte paintings there and for our final uh, renderings for our final proposal some of it uh, was made by a, a company uh, just a rendering company but some of it we made it uh, in the office and i really like that idea of working with images matte paintings and 3d models to develop your designs that's definitely a so, good skill to have especially yeah as an architect who's i mean your mindset is leaning towards the art and design side of it quite a bit and the ability to be able to realize that visual at a high yeah. level is quite important because quite often you see very low quality renders from architectural studios where it has that typical mm-hmm. black and white silhouette or something like that as a person and yeah yeah just yeah, trees yeah. everywhere even if the context doesn't have trees you know just to kind of fake what the design yeah. looked like so i think yeah and i had actually seen some think, of those designs for the desert oasis project and they look fantastic yeah. really really well done yeah yeah it was uh, like the overall design process uh, design so we we were using uh, ai for developing the patterns and uh, where we were merging some of the old patterns uh, some of the pattern nabatian architecture uh, was the ancient architecture in that particular region and we were using some of the patterns from uh, their clothes and wait could you uh, repeat that used- word like which architecture was that nabatian architecture nabatian yeah okay and uh, yeah so we were trying to uh, use those um, patterns and create new kinds of patterns using ai and then 
also use uh, Mandelbulb to create fractal geometry and then mix it with hand modeling. So it was very um, beautiful design process and also a very rigorous one. Uh, yeah, it was very, <laughs> yeah, every day uh, I think I reached office, uh, I reached home about one o'clock. <laughs> that's a and long then, day. yeah, it was a long, but it was really amazing to work there. Like, if I had to do it again, I would definitely do that. But yeah, it's yeah. one of those projects was, where I, you get to learn so much. Yeah. And that squeeze time. So how come you left and, the studio then? So, yeah, um, after, um, so I left it in June 2018. Mm-hmm. And then I had planned to come back to Mumbai. where uh, And... Yeah, so it was there in my mind that I want to come back to Mumbai and also um, start something of my own. So that was there in my mind. So that's why I left there. Interesting. So it's like a full circle learning (laughs) a lot of new techniques and learning from really high level designers and masters of their craft. What was your reaction when you saw that Gothic skyscraper proposal? What were your reactions or feelings? Wait. Uh, my first reaction. Uh, so I had seen uh, Mark's uh, Guggenheim proposal. Do uh, are you aware about it? No, I don't think I've seen that. No. So uh, like it, it's even more crazier than that uh, proposal. So I, so the skyscraper one, I really liked it, um, but the Guggenheim one uh, really came to me as a shock. And um, I remember uh, one line that Mark had said about that particular project is that we did this because we liked it. <laughs> and I was like, can you really do that? Like, like because I was at Steel Schuler and there was so much theory of about design and that we would discuss and we would try to develop so much theory on the work. And like, here's this guy is like, I, we made this because we just like it. <laughs> so, but then later when I uh, try to understand his work and try, try to understand the uh, object-oriented uh, ontology and the philosophy behind his work, I really admired. And I think still I find there are very few architects in this world who are trying to really create architecture. And um, so I like his idea of uh, high resolution. Um, and just exploring digital tools. Mm-hmm. So there are very few architects which are doing that kind of work currently. So that's why I still find it very, his work, I still find it very inspiring. And just the way he uh, runs it, I think it's uh, his studio is more of, um, uh, it's less of an office rather than uh, an academic studio where like I, I told you, right, we would, every morning we would have a review session and then many a times he would just draw on our renderings and like make corrections, make some references that we let's make it something more uh, fluid or let's make it something more solid or like something like that. And then like, it's a very creative design process that way. Yeah, it's basically yeah. like you're almost getting paid to learn from somebody operating at that level of thought and design. yeah we 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 also we also had one so while i was there we also had uh, one theory session 
where he was talking about some of his ideas and how he started with this aesthetic theory and uh, so it was just a beginning of uh, summer theory sessions that he does every summer with students okay so yeah so what he does is during every summer he has like these summer sessions where he would call other architects like uh, his fellow architects to his place or at their place and then they both would have people from their own office and they, they would discuss theory and design so it's really an a very an academy it's a school in itself r- less of an office yeah i love those moments where people from different schools of thought and design come together and you're just brainstorming ideas and sometimes those conversations spark such good ideas because at times you're so stuck in the production pipeline whichever mm-hmm. industry it might be that you're constantly bogged down by that production side of things and you don't get uh, enough time to explore certain other ideas or thoughts that you might have and it's only when yeah. you have these discussions it kind of yeah, yeah. Uh, at mark at mark's office we had uh, people from many different places and i remember at one point even he said this thing that uh like he hires people from he tries to hire people from different areas and tries to have uh people from different background so while there were people from uh us from texas um uh, like he called him he called me from germany there was one guy who was from uh frank lloyd wright school taliesin mm mm-hmm. so it was kind it was a really a mix of different uh, people so it was for me a, like it was nice to meet someone from taliesin because he, like he also uh, like there was one day he would talk about like this idea of building physically building uh, buildings and so it was just nice to hear different uh, points of views so yeah and it really matters when you are trying to de- initially i thought that he would he was he would not be so skilled with digital soft digital softwares but it was a surprise to me that he was really good at it as well so it was nice yeah often times you see as people rise in seniority level you tend to lose touch with the production side of things because you're so occupied with managing the projects and especially as the yeah. scale grows larger so yeah do you take inspiration to run your studio eventually the way mark runs his is that a big inspiration for you yeah 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 definitely that's an inspiration um and uh, so um i find great inspiration in the works of uh, lebius woods as well in terms of creating images and matte paintings but uh, i also wish to uh, explore more go beyond just images and uh, get into making environments that you can inhabit so yeah that is where uh, i would be like that is where uh, i would want to go yeah in terms of these digital creations or designs that you're generating have you spent any time collaborating with other artists or pure painters maybe or sculptors who have that side of thought process and aesthetic to add to your team so, 
so uh, after my graduation so i graduated from stedel schuler in 2017 and uh, in 2018 i collaborated with one of my uh, friend from stedel schuler and uh, we made a we made an exhibition of her so she had a uh, 2d paintings uh, 2d drawings for her thesis project and okay. we converted that into a 3d environment uh, as a virtual reality exhibition so it was really nice to uh, so i helped her uh, a lot in terms of the technical execution of virtual reality and we both were like at that time we, were, we both were learning and trying to explore and trying to get into making virtual environments so oh, yeah that, that is that was fascinating. one yeah it was really nice yeah you should definitely uh, send me the work i'll kind of share it with with the show yeah, notes yeah. of the episode i'm sure everyone would love to have a look at that that sounds quite yeah, nice yeah and over the last couple of months i'm noticing you're spending quite a bit of time conducting workshops and sharing yeah. your techniques as well how has that experience been for you it was amazing it was amazing uh, i think the parts which i really enjoyed is the part uh, talking to pe- uh, students and talking to people and also some of uh, some of the people they are still working on um, their designs and sharing their feedback and it's really nice to engage in this conversation about design and so it was like uh, very i think it was also for me um, a way to stay engaged with design and uh, stay engaged with people to also learn uh, from them and uh, also teach so that is why i started doing conduct started conducting these workshops and uh, yeah it was amazing to um, con- have conversation with people there's something i've noticed as a common thread between most of the artists that i look up to that they are always spending quite a bit of time teaching other people as well because that mm. one of course sharing knowledge is important as yeah. well as the fact that you need to be thorough with what you know to be able to teach yeah. and that's always like yeah, building yeah, yeah. up your basics and the fundamental knowledge yeah yeah like you learn more when you are teaching so and i think it was for me also a way to push myself mm-hmm. further yeah yeah definitely conducting workshops and classes is a fun experience i remember last yeah. year i had conducted a workshop as well with my friends and that was a really good experience because through that workshop i came across a uh, motion graphics and houdini artist akshay mm. and his mm. sense of style and work is so good and then we eventually ended up collaborating on a project mm. as well so that always helps because it starts building new contacts for you and as everyone is growing in yeah. their craft and skill you kind of develop a good can you, team can you send me can you send me that project i would love to see i'll share it with you after the call definitely it's something yeah, yeah. that's still not out there yet so i'll share it with you definitely yeah nice so what's what's next on the horizon for you like where do you see the next couple of years from here mm, i would definitely love to um, get into making virtual environments that is one um, 
the other is get into teaching as well uh, as um, as a proper forms of teaching and yeah that is these are two areas where i'm planning to get into and um, like i wanted to ask you about like your work as well um sure, sure. so like i find a lot of similarities and uh, i see a lot of inspiration in concept art so where do like how do you see your work like um where, in which direction uh, like how do you see your work in terms of architecture like do you see um interest in architecture and like how do you develop your work as well i think architecture is a pretty big influence in my work purely because i spent 5 years studying that as a student mm-hmm. that kind of gave me a good opening towards what the wi- wider range of architecture itself is and mm-hmm. then of course i moved my career trajectory towards concept art because i felt mm-hmm. as an overall career that suited my work and mm-hmm. mindset better but architecture always mm-hmm. comes back as an influence and that's the reason mm-hmm. why i spend so much time doing environment designs and world building mm. because architecture in essence is that and so that's yeah. why it plays as a pretty big influence on my work and also the short film that i'm working on right now is purely inspired by architectural forms and the fundamental yeah, shapes I, of architecture yeah i saw some of the work that you uh, you've done um, some of the recent work and also your poster for the your short film looks very architectural in terms of making environments yeah. so that's why i find it very uh, inspiring and um, similar uh, in terms of similar interests like i i saw one post where you are like making architectural designs for i think uh, like i suppose that was for the short film that's true so yeah i think you yeah. might be talking about the line drawings for the building yeah 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 so I I really like uh, this way of working where you are like um speculating on the um architecture environments and not really f- uh, initially thinking about the functional need of it mm-hmm. like that is what at least I try to do is try to uh, envision the aesthetic uh, uh, aesthetics of those architectural spaces and uh forms and then figuring out how do we uh shape uh those uh, fit in into functional needs and that is what even we what we did for marks office as well like initially we would make uh we would make speculative models and uh, then we would try to develop them into more functional areas like at so we did one exercise where we we were just making random models from uh, uh mandelbulb and then later we try to make more uh, models that were more architectural that would give a su- certain sense of um say an entryway or or uh, a large space or a hall or something like that so yeah i think like really like this particular way of working when you approach design in this particular way how do you reconcile with the whole form follows function paradigm that <laughs> basically gets drilled into you as a architectural student 
like we are in a different uh, time right we are like when that particular uh, statement was made we were in this industrialization phase where everything uh, had to be um minimal and everything had to be produced and had to mean something so it was stripped of all the uh, unnecessary uh, aesthetics mm-hmm. but right now we are in this phase of say mass customization or um what do you say even um uh, this phase of ha- subcultures where like it doesn't matter uh, um the kind of aesthetics each subculture has has a certain uh, reason for it and sometimes we just need to do it for the sake of fashion right that so individual to, taste brings out yeah, a particular aesthetic yeah so yeah i don't really quite follow with form follows uh, function <laughs> statement and it doesn't produce something um exciting i would say i i think i would say it depends on the context because um like i was actually talking in an earlier episode with a friend of mine who mm. had designed some fictional f1 vehicles where you could argue form follows function produces some of the most beautiful or aesthetic looking designs mm. but now like in architecture it's become kind of stale over time because things yeah. are not evolved or changed one could argue and yeah it's it's happening from the ground level now where as you said the customization and personalization mm. keeps increasing that's kind of seeping yeah, back yeah. into the architecture as well yeah i think i i do experience this a lot um in um sometimes in the offices as well where if you are starting with uh planning the requirements then at some point either we get into a phase where everything like we can't even innovate like you would only have a box uh, mm-hmm. and then pun- punched out windows you can't do anything uh, beyond that but if you try to go the other way you might develop your form first and uh, an interesting composition and then later or try, try to fit in requirements so many times your requirements are also quite flexible so if we are trying trying to stick to requirements then we lose that opportunity to uh, change the requirement as per real needs mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think it's a tough balance to perfect yeah where how much how speculative yeah, yeah. do you get at the early stage and then bring it back to the reality but it's an yeah. interesting challenge nonetheless so yeah, yeah. i mean that that's why i mean tadao ando is a big inspiration for me because he has that balance i feel it it may not look mm-hmm. like that out right when you compare to some of the more outrageous forms that we see from say a frank gary or someone like that but mm-hmm. he's able to capture that essence of functionality as well as bending the reality between what a japanese aesthetic is to mm-hmm. the way concrete is being shaped what do you think like, yeah. do you agree with that or do you yeah i do take? um like i personally there was a time definitely when um the works of tadawando uh, louis kahn 
like abuzio like they really fascinated me a lot but right now uh, i'm so i can uh, associate that particular work with low poly models that mm, uh, i see what you mean so <laughs> so that's why i find that uh, there is a lot more room if you have uh, a high poly model you you can add more and more surface details surface textures there is a lot more room for um uh i would say a consuming architecture like your architecture so mark foster gate talks about this idea of uh, inexhaustibility of architecture that you have uh multiple layers of details and uh, surface articulation which i subscribe to and i find great inspiration in that you have more layers of uh, understanding you you're trying it will take some time for you to understand that mm-hmm. particular piece or consume that particular piece of architecture i mean it's just personal take yeah now that's quite interesting it's almost like a full circle if you look at it in a historical context where when early earlier like the temples or churches specifically places of worship had such intricate details and carvings and reliefs on them and over time that kept the ornamentation kept getting reduced and now again so, we are bringing it back in a way yeah so during that period architecture was the medium for it was the media at that time mm-hmm. architecture was media it was um expressing the current society uh the contemporary society then over time we have lost architecture as a media to uh, like the media has gotten uh, a different platforms and architecture has become too slow and less expressive that's a good way to put it i i always used to think or i still do to an extent that architecture is like the mother of all design practices mm. because it it requires every kind of skill to be put in place mm. to really create a good and beautiful and long lasting design which lasts for centuries but do you think that's reducing yeah. more and more over time as we go i think it's um architecture uh, as a field itself it's very slow mm-hmm. so uh like it would take a, at least 5 years for you to make a reasonable size building to execute and many then you have to have um at some point you have to lose certain uh, ideas and certain you lose certain resolution i would say in the process of making architecture mm. <laughs> so like you start with a very high resolution idea that you have like so many other uh, components at some point you are losing resolution if you are physically building architecture um I love yeah, this that's analogy. why I try to I just love this analogy of <laughs> resolution. It's quite nice. Yeah. Um talking about the That's t- why I feel time. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, that's why I feel like in the digital space you you're technically not lo- losing resolution. Like I I'm like you know more uh in game design than me definitely. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, like when you are doing that high poly to low poly conversion but i think as a game 
uh, even though uh, it's a many a times many games are lo- low poly right you yeah. always I mean, have that's, low poly that comes down to the hardware capacity basically uh-huh. yeah. as capacity, the consoles right. and technology i mean hardware keeps getting better that better. bridge between low poly and high poly of course keeps getting smaller and smaller yeah but i think like as as a player who plays the game he will only, always see the high resolution uh, effects of any components in the game so i find like in the digital space we are not losing any resolution mm. so able to yeah. retain the essence of the idea right through yeah yeah so i just wanted to kind of come back to one point that you were mentioning about the time aspect of it like how mm. long it would take for certain projects to be realized i feel like maybe i could be completely off base on this but in the past like many hundreds of centuries ago people used to plan for like 100 year long projects or 200 year long projects and yeah. things would keep continuing yeah. but now mm. that perception is more about a one year project or a five year project do you think that change in mindset has affected mm. the kind of architecture that gets produced hmm you mean uh, because we are building for a short term we are um, like say uh, because we were building for longer time longer time period we were able to make more intricate details and now because we have to get things done hmm. quicker we can't spend so much time uh, in making those details and having those artists in work on our building for yeah i think uh, that is definitely but uh, it's also about the economies of thing uh, uh, right if somebody has that amount of money to spend and there are people who has that amount of money to spend on a tiny uh, center table as well so yeah but on a building scale definitely if certain projects are getting uh, built for many years they, it definitely comes down to how you can um, make the project build quicker so yeah i think that's that is what happens in many cases like how you can finish this project faster and that's what i was uh, talking about like when i was working at sain kapadia it was not so much about finishing the project but more about uh, making a better design because i was working on a bungalow project uh, in alibag where we had these very complicated roof structure tessellated roof structure in rcc okay so it was very complicated and we used to and it was also a nightmare many a times because we have the working drawings set ready i have issued those drawings on site and sir is like okay i want to change this particular part there <laughs> <laughs> you mean after the form work has been constructed as well not the form work but at least uh, like for example the plinth was being constructed mm. and like uh, the columns were being constructed and the roof was still left thankfully <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah i think at some point we did um, uh, delete uh, sorry delete I, i would say we did uh, told the contractor to rebuild certain parts and yeah so this this would this wouldn't happen in an, in any other office uh, this wouldn't have like in any other office 
if for example at a certain point in time if this design says doesn't look good to somebody they would be fine with it and like let's just finish this project so it's not about like finishing uh, it's not about improving the design it's more about like finishing, finishing. the project yeah very yeah. few small percentage of people are willing to trace back their steps redo that yeah, whole yeah, process yeah. And of do, course, do even you know, incur like financial loss in the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know this uh, architect Nari Gandhi? Yeah, I've heard of his name definitely. Yeah, yeah. Like he used to. So, so I at one point and even still now I admire how he worked. Like he uh, worked directly on site. He didn't make any drawings. So, if a client gives him a project, he would just directly start call his own. uh uh masons and uh, start the building work and start <laughs> the work on the site directly and he would make something uh, demolish it and remake something if he didn't like uh, if he didn't like it so i don't like his projects definitely went on for a longer time but i think he did very few projects but they those projects are really beautiful projects wow so, it's like actual iterations in real life something yeah, yeah. that we would do in 3d <laughs> oh that's yeah. fascinating i'm going to have to check out his work in a bit more detail definitely i didn't know about that aspect that's quite interesting yeah. i don't think yeah. any contractor or client would be up for something like that now given the kind of time constraints or economies that we deal with at the moment yeah definitely so i this is this this is just a story i so i met one of um, his partner so he had a partner that he was working with and so he died i think um, in 1980s or something like he lived for a very short period and uh, so i met one of his partner and he was telling me that uh, there was one project where the client made some modifications uh, himself uh, not like he made Uh, certain modifications to nari gandhi's design and then nari gandhi was like so mad at the client he didn't <laughs> show up for two years didn't finish the project at all and uh, after two years um, he asked the client to change those modifications and go back to the design that he had and then finish the project <laughs> wow these are like those <laughs> pure master artists who just yeah how a rock how a rock yeah i can see why you love the fountain head so much <laughs> that's awesome yeah i think i think you've um, reminded me so much about that book now i'm going to have to go back and reread the book or at least get the <laughs> audio book of that yeah so what is it like uh, so what what are your plans like what are you trying to mm I think no. my goal at the moment is part of it is of course getting better at the craft like we spoke about earlier but also get better at storytelling for the last mm. couple of years I've been quite dedicated or trying to rather get good at the craft improving my skills and of course working mm. every day helps you with that but mm. somewhere along the line I got too caught up with just creating concepts after concepts and not really improving mm. the storytelling so much and that is where i'm trying to go back to my roots the g- ideas that i had while studying architecture 
and mm. implement those ideas through the short film formats and kind of mm-hmm. bring that mm-hmm. side of my skill up so yeah that's the focus right now i have a couple of mm. other short film ideas as well where i want to focus my time mm. on after this one gets done and yeah i think in the long run i want to move away from just doing concept art and combine direction concept art and architecture as well i feel mm-hmm. like at at a very high level of creation all these fields kind of come back together like a concept yeah. artist could be working at an architecture studio architects work in game yeah. studio so it's all mix and match yeah, at yeah. that point so yeah we so one office where i interned we had concept artists uh work for um so we were working there at, uh, for amusement parks oh yeah like, uh, uh in there was one amusement park we were working in hyderabad and one uh, imagica adlabs uh, near mumbai okay so we had those concept artists who would make like really uh concepts drawings very artistic drawings yeah so like your concept arts uh, is it uh like what how do you go about it like do you make 3d models and then uh you do it on photoshop or do you uh, are those just 2d drawings or are they certain parts of it are 3d modeled and rendered and then um i think b- both ways work perfectly fine but when it comes to specifically for aaa games or movies j- definitely 3d mm. is a very heavy part of the pipeline because you're able mm. to build out the sets light the scene yeah. play with the camera angles take mm. good renders and then the finishing of course happens in photoshop where you're painting out the finer details okay. or the mood setting up the mm. lighting and enhancing things further but of course it depends from person to person like if you talk about specifically industrial design kind of concept art maybe props or mm. guns or smaller elements people do completely i mean they do the entire process completely in 3d as well and they are mm. very very high high level artists who are doing that kind of stuff of course i am mm. also at a very very early stage in my career i'm just learning things so mm. yeah. things are constantly changing all no, the time i totally love the concept images that you've done like i think they are brilliant oh thank you and also some of the images uh, that i saw some still shots i don't know whether they are from the short movie mm-hmm. but those shots that you have uh, like in uh, black and very um i would say like some of the recent images that i saw like i really like the camera angles that you uh, choose thank yeah. you thank you yeah i think it's something that i'm slowly trying to divert my focus towards especially um i've been spending a lot of time listening to the team deacons podcast where roger deacons and james deacons are who are like some of the biggest names in the cinematography industry are talking with other artists and directors talking mm-hmm. about their process and they have like years of experience like decades of experience so mm-hmm. learning from them about how they approach direction and cinematography is something that's been quite inspiring for me okay and i think one thing that i noticed was the moment i started changing the kind of content that i was putting up on instagram for example i noticed an mm. immediate reduction in the engagement where mm. people were used to a certain kind of content that i was putting out but as the mm. tone changed and the mood changed the cameras changed mm. the engagement kind of reduced so 
I felt like I was on the <laughs> correct path because I was happier <laughs> with the kind of work I was putting out there and people were not reacting to it too much yet but as I keep doing it more people are understanding the direction that I'm trying to go in and then again that conversation continues and engagement kind mm. of returns back so I think that's something that yeah. I feel one needs to keep doing experiment and not get stuck in a particular kind of work yeah so yeah that's nice that's the kind of thing that i'm looking at for now nice nice so i mean do you plan ahead i mean how far ahead do you plan i would rather put it that way um not so much um like at the moment um i'm just planning to get better at my craft and uh, also develop so some of the work that i find like one of my recent work as like the underground bar if you are familiar with it i, I find yeah yeah so yeah i'm trying to get more into that but direction where uh, it's not just independent objects but more of uh, environments yeah so just trying to get into um, developing more and more work so as of now i don't have much planned in the future like i do have uh, planned workshops mm -hmm. but uh, uh, on my personal work front uh, i've kept myself a little bit more free okay yeah. that underground yeah. bar scene was quite interesting because it it was bringing some aspects of photography and street photography yeah. into it and especially the way you had lit it i could feel yeah. that mood of a rainy day or a rainy night rather <laughs> you know so yeah. i can see how yeah, those so things are tying together now yeah i am definitely um, interested in visualization and um, like so i spoke about my interest in cgi like i am very much interested in that and trying to combine that uh, aspect with this modeling and with this architecture so i feel that 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 particular work is right now in a proper direction where i want to go where there is certain speculative modeling there is a certain architecture involved like in a lot of my work i try i struggle with introducing architecture uh, in terms of Uh, something people relate to as architecture um so is that perhaps there is a lack of scale or human form in that yeah, scene yeah 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 i find like uh, recently i think um, which work um, yeah there was ah okay yeah the the one with uh, the yellow one where there are like there is one larger object on the left side and uh, some art intricate the patterns on the surface like in that particular work i found that i needed to introduce humans mm -hmm. like in the previous work i feel that um, like i struggled to introduce humans like how um, yeah like right right now i have started to see how it is connected with humans and how it is connected with uh, architecture so yeah i'm slowly slowly trying to introduce humans as well <laughs> nice yeah that sounds good it's it's always a challenge because when we are thinking about spaces or forms in that purely fictional and speculative manner 
we may not consider what the human scale would be at that time so the yeah space could be super big or even super tiny that could fit in somebody's hand and the sculptural yeah, yeah, aspect yeah. of it could work either way yeah yeah so there was one project uh travertine folds like some i see that as uh, as a sculptural piece but i try to introduce that uh, on an architectural scale as well as a building somehow it really felt a, as a misfit mm-hmm. uh, as an architectural piece so yeah i'm just trying to see which one uh, fits where which scale awesome so yeah kir i just wanted to touch on one topic before we close out the mm-hmm. session i know we're getting on to one and a half hours now it's been <laughs> going pretty quick yeah it's been great yeah so i wanted to know like now looking at your work you're getting to a pretty good level of technical ability and of course you will say that you're still learning and you're always trying to grow yeah, but yeah. from a student's perspective who's at a very early stage in their career or skill level how do hmm. how do they approach this feeling of getting overwhelmed by the sheer amount of techniques that are available to learn or even getting to this point of technical ability like how do they approach that journey yeah um from personal uh, experience it is o- overwhelming um mm-hmm. definitely uh, i would say there was a time when i was overwhelmed by many different software and which one to choose which one not to choose um, so i've learned like a lot of software uh, unity unreal engine learned a little bit of coding with c sharp processing and like many different mo- modeling softwares like cinema 4d maya i've done like a little bit of everything in a lot of software yeah seems like you've been experimenting uh, quite a bit yeah yeah i think in last um, since this year i've focused more on zbrush but uh, before uh, 2020 i was exploring many different areas and so i think initially uh, you can if it comes easy to you you can explore different software uh, maybe just watch couple of software uh, uh, tutorials on youtube and see how the interface is and um, it definitely helps to choose one particular software uh, that interests you like for example for me grasshopper seems very uh, overwhelming to learn in the beginning because you have to remember so many tools and uh, so many components that tie with each other like mm-hmm. you you have to remember the process so like right now i am at a point where i can make some basic scripts on my own but i remember there was a time when i learned it one point and i uh, didn't do grasshopper for some time after some time i forgot forgot about it and this thing happened couple of times where second time i'm learning i did it for some time then i'm forgetting <laughs> but uh, i think uh, say zbrush or other so modeling software like maya rhino they are quite different like where you don't have to remember the process so it's quite easier that way and uh, i think um, yeah you just have to just start, get started 
with it and after some time it will like i remember i remember with zbrush initially when uh, when i was introduced uh, in my at studio schooler like i did not understand at all and the the tutorials that i was following they were really bad because they were teaching uh, individual technique in zbrush without showing how i can use it okay. so sometimes yes uh, tutorial finding the right the tutorials also tutorials or tutors also helps uh, yeah to learn and i guess the main thing is like you said to get started because at times you're so worried about planning the whole thing but not actually getting started with the experimentation yeah. part of it and of course like yeah, yeah. you're going to fail so many times even no matter how experienced anyone gets those exper- uh, experiments are going to fail at some point so and so if you're so if you're traveling somewhere this is this is what you usually feel that right like in the first uh, couple of days you struggle so much to if you're going to a particular city you struggle so much in finding the right uh, train or finding the right route to come back to your hotel or uh, place that you are staying and like those once you pass through those first few days of traveling within the city managing to travel within the city after some time you you will be familiar with it so yeah like it's a very um, um happy process as well to uh, travel right yeah so that way i find like it's the same with software as well like initially you like just see what it is there what is what it is not there but yeah it helps to um, stick to few tools like you won't be able to know like even i don't know so much in zbrush or i don't even use so many tools and techniques available in zbrush but uh, yeah it helps if you start with few tools and techniques yeah that's well put man i i was just curious one last thing do you spend any time sketching out these ideas on paper or do you just directly jump into 3d so i used to sketch a lot okay i used to sketch and i think uh, after stadel shulo uh, my sketching has reduced and my interest in directly starting with a 3d model has uh, in, in like helped me like that is what i've been doing um because i did feel this thing where um if i sketch something um i found it very difficult to model the same thing uh in 3d okay and even if i am doing that i find that i'm losing on the opportunity to explore the software in itself where i'm if i'm trying to make something from the sketch to uh, a 3d model i'm using the software just as a tool to make what i intend to make rather than uh, instead if i'm using working directly with the software i'm letting the software uh, do its magic or um, um, also imagine some things that i would not have sketched right yeah. so it's like that mindset change between using the software as a production tool versus a design tool yeah 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 that's it yeah nice awesome man i think that's a good note to close on it's been a yeah. great time chatting with you and getting same a good insight same. on your process 
same here it's really it's my pleasure to connect with you man like uh, i think uh, like i'm so happy to connect with someone who is also like connected to architecture but also connected to game design because mm-hmm. we have at stadus solo we have been talking about this ideas of architecture and game and concept art so it's great to connect with you awesome man yeah. and i hope like yeah. maybe we can collaborate on some speculative projects definitely definitely i would love to do that i would love to do that awesome man like maybe if you are like uh, uh, working on a movie or something and like we could definitely do something or maybe if you are interested in conducting a workshop like we could do something like that together as well like it awesome. would be nice to have um, a world building workshop where like you are working way of working with zbrush and different tools yeah awesome that sounds fun man yep well okay that's it then thank you so much for calling time. me yeah you're welcome